Grace and peace, my friends, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. I would love to try something new today, and that is I am going to say something that's probably very familiar to you, but I would love for you to respond. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice. You do know it. This is great. We're going to start doing this more often. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let's rejoice and be glad in it. Friends, welcome to worship with Morrisville Presbyterian Church. Whether you are a longtime member or visiting with us for the first time, whether you are here in our sanctuary or worshiping with us from home, it is indeed a delight to welcome you to worship this day. If you are here in the sanctuary, please fill out that familiar red folder in your pew, pass it to your neighbors so they can do the same, so we can note your presence with us. You may notice we are accompanied this morning by over 50 backpacks up here. These are backpacks that have been collected over the course of the last few weeks through our backpack drive. Immediately after this service today, they are going to be taken to places where they can then be distributed to students who are beginning school in the coming week or two. And you're going to hear a little bit more about those during our time for young disciples. But I want to thank you for your incredible generosity as we seek to care for the young people of our surrounding community. We welcome to our pulpit today the Reverend Greg Klimovitz. Greg is the Associate Presbyter in our Presbytery, the, the Presbytery of Philadelphia. We're delighted to welcome Greg today. There is much you can read about him and his ministry in your bulletin this morning, but when you get a chance, I hope you will greet him and welcome him and thank him for his ministry among us. He will be outside along with Pastor Alex and with me to greet you following the service, and I hope you will welcome him with the love that this church always does. Greg, we're thrilled that you're here. Thank you for being with us. On a more personal note, I just want to thank each of you for the support and care that you offer to your pastors when you allow us the freedom to step fully away when we take time off. We do not take that for granted. I have been away for much of this month, both for vacation and then for a continuing education event, and I cannot begin to tell you what a gift that time away has been. It is a time when I have, I, I return to you with renewed energy, with renewed perspective, and with a renewed desire to serve and love our God together. And so I want to thank you on behalf of Pastor Alex and of me for just the generosity that you offer to us in that time each year and that you so graciously give. It is deeply important and we are deeply, deeply grateful. Beloved church, what a gift it is to worship God any day. But what a privilege it is to be a part of God's church, especially today, to be a part of God's work in this world today and every day. And so, friends, let us join our hearts together and let us worship God. Good morning. Please join with me in the call to worship as printed on the front of your bulletin. And if you can, please stand. We gather to worship in the presence of God, as if we stood on God's holy hill. We gather to worship as children of God, as if we were standing in the waters of grace. We gather to worship the living God, for God is here among us. Please remain standing and 
4, Rejoice ye pure in heart. seated. We rejoice, we rejoice, we give thanks, and we sing to our God whose mercy and love endure forever. So let us take the moment now to lay down our burdens before our good and gracious God. Let us receive God's grace. Let us confess our sins using the prayer of confession as it is printed in your bulletin, followed by a time for silent confession. You tell us, O Lord, who may abide in your presence, who may dwell on your holy hill, 
those who walk blamelessly and do what is right and who speak the truth from their heart. And yet, O Lord, we do not walk blamelessly. So often we stumble on the path of faith. The truth makes us nervous, and we pretend not to know what is right. Have mercy, O God. Convict us by your wisdom. Cleanse us by your grace. Challenge us by your presence, and by your, for your forgiveness, free us to try again. The mercy of the Lord is from everlasting to everlasting. I declare to you in the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Believe the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Alleluia. Amen. Please stand and join together in singing the Gloria Patri. church as forgiven people we will share the peace of Christ with one another using American sign language as we have been practicing these past couple of months the peace of Christ be with you and also with you let us share one another the peace of Christ to invite my young friends forward for our time for young disciples. Hey, I know you. Good morning. You can help me. This is perfect. Okay. What do you see all, all up here? Backpacks. Do you have a backpack for school? Do you have a backpack for school? We haven't started school yet, but do you have a backpack that's ready to go? Yes. You, you do. You each have a backpack and it's ready to go to school. These backpacks, I want you to help me. Here, Ben, MJ, I want you to just peek inside these backpacks and see what kind of stuff you, you see in there. Can you help me? Here's a zipper. Check out what's in there. What do you see? I see. Oh, wrong zipper. There, these new backpacks have lots of pockets, don't they? I see books. Books? You're right. And what else? What do you think those are? 
They do look like pencils. I think that's because they are. MJ, what about yours? More, those look like pens. MJ, how about in your backpack? What's in there? Do you see anything? What do those look like? You can just tell. No, we're just gonna open two backpacks, bud. Stay here. What are those? What's that? What is that? Like a folder? Let's see what else is in here. That's a great idea. Ooh, this one has a dictionary in it. Oh, not every pocket. There's a lot. Oh, but look, you did. You found index cards. These backpacks, let's make sure it gets back in there. These backpacks are full of school supplies that kids are going to use when they go back to school. And Ben, you're opening a special pocket in there. I want you to pull out, what's this? Do you see this? These, so each of these backpacks have been packed by members of our congregation, and they're full, all our friends from church, and they're full of school supplies for other kids when they go back to school. But we are adding something extra in here today. You have this card. MJ, you can hold your card. I have one like it, except it's green. This is a special blessing that we are including in each of these backpacks for whoever is going to use them. And this is a blessing that they can take with them to school, that they can have with them and keep in their backpack or keep in their home, but it's a reminder to them that no matter where they go, they are loved. No matter where they go, they are not alone. And it is a way we are going to bless this new year where they are given this backpack. And so today, I'm going to offer a prayer over all these backpacks, and you can join me as we bless them for the people who will use them. And then we're going to offer this prayer together that we have in each of these backpacks. But can you repeat after me first? We'll pray together. Dear God, we thank you for these backpacks. And we pray for the students who will use them. Encourage them in this difficult year. Fill their hearts with your love alone. That they might share that love with others. Amen. And we're going to offer this prayer together. It starts out in a way we're familiar with. Do you remember our spirit in, our breath prayer? That's how it begins. Spirit in, self out. Spirit in, self out. And in each of these backpacks, it will say, Dear God, fill my heart with your love. Open my eyes to see new friends. Give me courage to welcome them. Open my mind to grow and to learn. Give me courage and confidence to ask questions. Open my ears to hear the needs of those around me. Give me courage to extend a hand to someone who needs help. Open my heart to love others the way you love me. Give me courage to always remember that you are near especially when I am afraid. Fill my heart with your love, O oh God. Spirit in, self out. Spirit in, 
yourself out. Thank you so much. We are going to be praying in the coming weeks for all the students who are going to receive these backpacks and bless them as they start this new school year. But thank you for helping me to explore all the ways we're caring for our community and all the ways we're loving them by filling these backpacks with these ways that they can learn this year. Thank you both very much. You can go to music with Mr. Carpenter or back with Daddy. As we approach a time now for the hearing of Scripture, let us prepare our hearts and minds in prayer. Let us pray. God, who knows the coming out and the going in of our own hearts, speak the words you have prepared for us this day. Help us to hear and understand your word so that we may act and live in accordance with your greater peace. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Morrisville. It was funny, I was sharing as, uh, before we read scripture, as I was driving up here and I saw the sign that said, last exit in Pennsylvania. I realized the scope of our presbytery, knowing how vast of a region we represent, knowing Alex's family also is on the other side in Pottstown, which is closer to where I live. It is a joy to come to this corner of our presbytery to see the faithful in this room with your gifted pastors in this community as well. So thank you for the invitation. I'm going to let you know that as we are uh, reading scripture today, the lectionary chops it up quite a bit. Um, and so uh, I asked if we could actually read the whole thing. So I'm going to fill the gaps a little bit here, and then we'll explain why uh, in, in a moment. So if you're following along in Mark 7, you'll notice that I keep going where the bulletin kind of drops off. So hear God's word to us from Mark chapter 7, beginning with verse 1. Now when the Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus, they noticed that some of his disciples were eating with defiled hands, that is, without washing them. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they thoroughly wash their hands, thus observing the tradition of the elders. And they do not eat anything from the market unless they wash it. And there are also many other traditions that they observe, the washing of cups, pots, and bronze kettles, hand sanitizers. No, they don't say that. Um, so the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not live according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, Isaiah prophesied rightly about you hypocrites, as it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching human precepts as doctrines. You abandon the commandment of God and hold to human tradition. And then Jesus said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever speaks evil of father or mother must surely die. 
But you say that if anyone tells father or mother whatever support you might have had from me is Corbin, that is, an offering to God, then you no longer permit doing anything for father or mother, thus making void the word of God through your tradition that you have handed on. And you do many things like this. Then Jesus, he called the crowd again and said to them, Listen to me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going in can defile, but the things that come out are what defile. And when Jesus had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about the parable. He said to them, Then do you also fail to understand? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile, since it enters not the heart, but the stomach, and goes out into the sewer? And thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, It is what comes out of a person that defiles. For it is from within, from the human heart, that evil intentions come, fornication, theft, murder, adultery, avarice, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, folly. All these evil things come from within, and they defile a person. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Again, it's a privilege to be with you all here on this Sunday morning, and I'm grateful to see so many here and wearing masks and being safe and loving their neighbor in that way. But before that, a story. That's not how the story goes, I said to the Canadian pilgrim next to me as the doors to the tomb slammed shut. It was very early in the morning on the first day of the week after the Sabbath, just like the gospel story. It was 2019, and I had ventured alone from my hotel in Jerusalem through the Damascus Gate, winded my way through the empty and narrow streets of Old City, and into the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, where tradition says the empty tomb of Jesus is located. The wait was too long the day before, and I was looking for a different ending to my 10-day pilgrimage. So after taking the Eucharist in front of the open tomb, I was third in line when an ecumenical argument broke out between two priests responsible for their traditions worship on opposite sides of the sepulcher. Whatever the dispute, one priest presumed it was enough to shut down visitation entirely. My fellow traveler leaned over to me and he says, Did we just get barred from Jesus' tomb? This marked the end of my Jerusalem journey. (laughs) Despite the disappointment, I logged the homiletical illustration for just this moment and kept walking. But I didn't forget. I didn't forget what happened when tradition and the things of worship become so front and center, I idolized even, that they shut out those who longed merely for a glimpse that just maybe death did not have the last word. I did not forget what it felt like to be on the outside, not even permitted for a simple glimpse inside. I did not forget this was the witness of multiple church traditions. On the same grounds where the one who called us to a radically inclusive love, it's where he rose from the dead and a stone was rolled away a stone that now these priests were putting back. 
I hope I never forget what happens when we we abandon the commandment to love and extend welcome in favor of a tight grip on human tradition. I believe this morning's gospel story will help me. Maybe it'll help all of us to remember to loosen our grip so we can receive and extend God's grace. After all, we cannot hold hands with clenched fists. But before we go any farther, let's say a brief prayer. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth now and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing to you as we seek to loosen our grips and embrace and extend your grace. Amen. This morning's lectionary is somewhat challenging. It's a doozy. It's long. And it warrants a bit of familiarity with the context of the first century Palestinian Jewish life and temple practices in the presence and in the shadow of an oppressive Roman Empire. But the story is also playfully written. Mark 7 is a beautiful illustrative spiral that moves from a smaller center, a smaller center of characters, and then slowly extends outward to a larger center and then back again to another smaller center. It's as if Mark is offering to us a literary pulse that reminds us of the expansive love found in Jesus's newly organized community. So we begin with the small center of Pharisees and scribes, those who held fast to the Torah and others charged with drafting legal documents related to who could be granted access into the most sacred of temple practices. Mark says they noticed. They noticed that Jesus' disciples were eating with unclean hands. The Greek here is koinase. It's the same word that can be translated not only as defiled, but as common. It's the same word used for the type of Greek in which Mark writes his gospel. Quinonia Greek, common Greek, street Greek. The Pharisees and scribes are concerned because those who follow Jesus are not doing their religious tradition and liturgical practices right. They're not washing up before worship. They are in the minds of the institutional leaders flippant and irreverent in their common approach. The disciples are then given the same kind of side eye some may give millennials and teenagers or associate pastors for watching you for texting or Instagramming in church without realizing that just maybe they are participating in their own and more common way. Maybe they're capturing an image of the sanctuary that catches the light just right and then pairing it with a brilliant quote from the guest preacher. Now's your moment. I give you permission. Why do your disciples not live according to the tradition of the elders? They ask Jesus. But they eat with common hands. It's in that moment that I I imagine Jesus finding a rock and, and maybe hiking up his robe with the traditional prayer tassels just visible beneath the fringe and taking a seat as familiar to ancient students in the presence of a teacher. And Jesus then quotes Isaiah, whose writings call to mind a time of exile when these traditions affirmed a belonging to God and a need to care for the marginalized as they lived in captivity. Jesus follows with maybe the most potent verse of this whole passage. 
you abandon the commandment of God and hold to human tradition. It's as if Jesus is saying, remember, love is law. The rest hold loosely. And if they were not taken back in that moment, Jesus then leads forward and calls out a collusive practice of Corbin, an ancient religious and economic tradition and legal loophole to defer assets to the temple instead of to their family. The economic practice is so obscure and debated among scholars that this section of the lectionary is spliced out completely. It's skipped. But it's important because the same critics of Jesus' common and ordinary disciples are the ones who use the Torah to evade responsibility to even their parents and elders, the economically vulnerable. They give it to the religious institution instead. Their grip is so tight on preserving tradition that they miss its foundational goal to create rhythms of mutual care and welcome in a world dominated by narratives of violence, power, and exploitation. Your tradition is void of God, Jesus tells them. You see, this first small pulse of Mark's narrative then is followed by Jesus' call to the crowds, quite likely a mixture of Jewish and Gentile people. The heartbeat is louder here, but it's shorter in address. Listen to me, all of you. Nothing from the outside makes you unclean by going in. What comes out is what can pollute a person. Listen to me, Jesus says, in contrast to these scribes and Pharisees and their marginalizing obsession with now exclusionary traditions. My way, Jesus says, includes the common folk like you. You can participate. Here you can find belonging without knowing the words or rituals or traditions. And the religious insiders speak. You can feel the relief. Maybe you, I hope, have experienced this kind of relief before. A moment of intense and uncommon welcome when you needed it most. The story then pulsates once more. As Mark tells us, Jesus leaves the crowd and takes the conversation inside the house. And here things get real fast. <laughs> it's much like when I call a family meeting when my kids just don't seem to be getting the message of our family motto, don't be a jerk. <laughs> it's a little bit more pastoral every day when I drop them off at the bus stop. You are love to love. Don't be a jerk seems to be a little bit easier to understand. You see, inside the house, which is another subtle reference to temple throughout Mark, if you think back to the early portions of the gospel, you can remember a story where a roof in a house was cut out and two friends lowered a paralytic to the very feet of Jesus as he was speaking to these same scribes. Jesus declares all foods clean and calls for reformed hearts that cease all forms of greed, exploitation, slander, and anything that mirrors exclusion. To include beloved traditions and worship practices once held so very dear and sacred. Again, love is and always has been the goal of the law. Friends, I could go on and continue to nerd out on the context of this lectionary gospel. Maybe we can do that later. Um, 
and its beautiful heartbeat and potent pulse that speaks into our times as much as theirs. But I offer you just one more. If you were to open your Bibles, you would notice that the NRSV jumps from verse 15 to 17. Yes, 16 is missing. It's believed that ancient manuscripts were not consistent. What did the questionable lines say? Let anyone with ears listen. That's it. I wonder if readers and interpreters throughout history recognized the importance of this text and wanted to underscore the riddle's central role in our call as disciples. It's Jesus' call to listen and hear the widest of welcome yet to the crowds. And I wonder, was the Syrophoenician woman who shows up in next week's lectionary, was she one who had such listening ears? A Gentile woman unfamiliar with Jewish traditions brings her demon-possessed daughter to Jesus. She confronts the Messiah's own practice of welcome and dares Jesus to extend her daughter the same favor he has to the insider Jewish people. And Jesus is then moved to empathy and exorcism. It's one of my favorite stories. Why didn't you invite me next week? So have fun next week. It's a great story, and it builds right on this one. It's beautiful. The outsider welcomed in. Faithful of Marsville, do you have the ears to listen to the pulse of Scripture's proclamation to each of us? A pulse that moves our circles of welcome wider and wider, even beyond the limits of our traditions and sacred practices. Do you hear Jesus' unconventional call that breaks through barriers of who is considered in and not for a second ever letting anyone to be left out? Do you hear Christ's call to loosen our grip on what once was and how we used to do things so we can grab a hold of what is becoming as terrifyingly unfamiliar it may be? I read a great article this past week by Christina Cologne titled, What is Church Now? She writes, if the pandemic showed us anything, it's that people can worship from anywhere, in anything, with anything, even apple juice and Ritz crackers. Why should the future church not be the same? As we reemerge, pastors and congregations face a moment, she says, to practice that resurrection, to find innovative and impactful ways to be the church in their communities. We can lament and grieve what was lost, she says, but can we also make room for something new? There's been so much trauma over the course of these last two years. And I appreciate your breath prayer with the young disciples because I think we need that now more than maybe ever. I'm with you in what feels like endless and unresolved grief felt in our congregations. I hear those stories regularly. It's real and must be recognized. I also, though, believe new openings in our communal practices and liturgical traditions have been cut, so our worship is starting to feel so much more common. Sure, complicated, unconventional, without questioning, exhausting and sometimes infuriating, no doubt, especially as you navigate the realities of in-person or hybrid or Zoom worship. But I do believe, I do believe that we are seeing a new awakening in terms of what matters when it comes to our worship and work and witness as the people of God. 
I believe the pandemic has not been completely wasted. When we have loosened our grip on what counts for the church and we begin to embrace fresh possibilities to make who we are and what we do more accessible than ever to those who for far too long have been looking from the outside in. We also have an opportunity to be so commonly compassionate in a time when every day we learn of yet another natural disaster, manifestation of racism or xenophobia, thousands of God's beloved fleeing their homes, looking for refuge after a 20-year war, food insecurity in our own neighborhoods and cities, or the perpetual rise of COVID variants that could be minimized in the common practice of mask wearing and vaccinations. Or book bags. There's not much more common than giving a child a book bag so they can learn. I guess what I'm saying, are we willing to look towards what we consider the purpose of our traditions and the pulse of our practices? What might we need to hold loosely? As your associate presbyter in this presbytery, every time I have felt wearied and wondered if what we do has any meaning anymore, and I've asked that question a lot, I learn of another way the Spirit has moved through the faithful, with ears who have heard and responded to Christ's call. I preached in a church this summer where a Zoom screen was set up right next to the table for the Eucharist to make space for both online and in-person masked worshipers. And as I looked out, there was a visitor who was there for the first time, and as I talked with her, I learned that she was looking for a congregation who was safely doing communion that Sunday so she could once again receive the same love of Christ that extended from her home country in India all the way to where she lived in the suburbs of Philly. And during the prayers of the people in that same worship service, a virtual participant who was very silent in the congregation before the pandemic started found safety and maybe solidarity on that Zoom screen right there in the sanctuary and shared of the 25th anniversary of sobriety. And don't get me started on how I well up every single time I see a child lift a cup of juice and a piece of bagel in front of their computer screen, participating in the sacrament in a way previously considered taboo in their sanctuary. I've seen ministries in Southwest Philly transform their sacred parking lots, no longer being used as much given the virtual worship, into lush gardens of fresh produce in a part of the city where access to nutrition is so limited and sparse they have an abundance and give it out freely. Another congregation continues to furnish their unoccupied manse to house the influx of refugee families whenever the city alerts them of a need. And then this past week, our presbytery, your presbytery, distributed our second wave of Covenant Fund grant dollars to seven initiatives. Hospitality networks, new forms of Christian education for children, coffee houses and ministries to young adults with various disabilities, collaboratives to provide programs to senior adults who have felt isolated for so long, and opportunities for churches to extend community and welcome to LGBTQIA plus students at the University of Pennsylvania. Friends, this is what happens when disciples of Jesus throughout your presbytery loosen their grip on what once was, and remain open to fresh practices of the resurrection. And it is happening in this Bucks County congregation too. Do you have the eyes to see and the ears to hear this common welcome that is as much for you as it is for your neighbors near and far? Before we close, 
Let's go back to Jerusalem, where Waji Nusaiba sits at the entrance to the Church of the Holy Sepulchre, the same place where I had that encounter that Sunday morning. Waji is a Palestinian Muslim whose family has held the key to this ancient Christian church for centuries. Why? Christians fought so much over their traditions and practices that they had to give the key to an outsider so the place of Christ's tomb would not become a perpetual battleground. So every day for 500 years, members of this family have climbed a tall ladder with an ancient key in his grip to unlock the towering doors for pilgrims, patrons, and priests alike. I'll never forget Sheikh and Waji's aged hand and sharing my words of gratitude to this practitioner of God's common grace. Waji Nusebi's family has modeled welcome and love when the church has lost its way, prioritizing tradition over God's universal commandment to love. What about me? What about you? What about this church? What about all of us? May our eyes and ears be opened afresh to Christ's greatest commandment to love God and neighbor as ourselves. May we hold traditions, even those most beloved, that once served a sacred purpose. May we hold them loose enough so we can grasp keys able to create new openings for God's gracious welcome. I dare say in so doing, we may just honor tradition best. We certainly will honor God best. Amen.
People of God, having heard the word read, proclaimed, and sung this day, let us stand in body or in spirit and affirm what we believe through these words in your bulletin from a brief statement of faith. We trust in Jesus Christ, fully human, fully God. Jesus proclaimed the reign of God, preaching good news to the poor and release to the captives, teaching by word and deed and blessing the children, healing the sick and binding up the brokenhearted, eating with outcasts, forgiving sinners, and calling all to repent and believe the gospel. Unjustly condemned for blasphemy and sedition, Jesus was crucified, suffering the depths of human pain and giving his life for the sins of the world. God raised this Jesus from the dead, vindicating his sinless life, breaking the power of sin and evil, delivering us from death to life eternal. With believers in every time and place, we rejoice that nothing in life or in death can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Please remain standing and join us singing hymn number 688, Spirit of God, Descend Upon My Heart.
seated. Beloved church, we turn our attention now to our God for a time of prayer. Let us pray. Holy and loving God, you remind us constantly of your vastness, of your greatness. We cherish these reminders of your abundance through humble prayers of thanksgiving, through actions towards your greater good. We praise you, mighty God, for a community that gives generously of backpacks and school supplies, for people who give their time and talents to the church. We thank you for the gifts of your creation, for the breaking of the heat, for the beautiful sights and sounds of summer's end, for words of welcome from friends new and old. God, who has been present from the beginning of time until now, we are grateful for the ways you are perpetually there for us and shower us with opportunities of joy and belonging. Kind and compassionate Christ, you who hear the pleas of your people with gentleness and care, hear the prayers we hold for our community and the world this day. We turn to you in shock and grief for the service members and Afghans who died in Afghanistan this past week. We pray that you will walk with their loved ones on their own road of sorrow and shelter the many people still there who are back at the Kabul airport risking their lives to save others and their families. Lord, we pray for those traumatized by the shooting at the Pensbury football game this weekend at Academy Park High School. We pray that you may comfort the family who mourns the death of the girl who died and heal two communities scared in its aftermath. Son of the Most High, you are the one who knows the prayers we hold in our hearts for family members and friends, for restoration and healing, for forgiveness and reconciliation. Bestow upon us your peace, your support, your grace this day. Spirit of the living God, guide us from the joys and petitions of a closing week to the opportunities that are opening before us in the days ahead. Lead us where we cannot see a way forward. Still us to appreciate the gift of your present. Loosen our clenched fists so that we can grasp your glory in what is coming. Spirit of the living God, show us your way, your truth, your light for us and the world. We pray all these things in the name of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, who taught us how to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. No, I'm not up here to sing. Something struck me as we were singing the final hymn. There's a footnote at the bottom of hymn 688. This reflection on Galatians 5.25 was written by a literary Anglican clergyman whose preaching drew people of many social classes to one of the formerly poorer London churches. Friends, that's the witness of the church. Throughout history, the church has been called to loosen our grips on traditions or whatever barriers we have set up and constructed, even ones that once served a particular purpose, even a holy one, so that we can be about bringing people from all sorts of places around our communities and the globe to gain a glimpse into what it means to be called the people of God that has no limitations. All are welcome here. And friends, so now may we loosen our grips on whatever we may need to loosen our grips on so that we can receive God's grace and extend it to others. And may we leave this place with open hands, ready to serve and love our neighbors. In the name of the Creator, Redeemer, and Sustainer, go in peace. Amen.